You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. The SB Nation NFL show is on the clock and we've got some more great draft coverage here for you. I am Michael Kist and today I am joined by a very special guest, someone I've known for a long time, unfortunately. He is Arif Hassan of the Athletic Minnesota. Arif, how you doing, bud? Long time no see. Ah, I'm I'm good. I'm good. The loathing is mutual, honestly. Wait, I, I really <laughs> missed you at Mobile this year. You're going next year, right? So we can, yeah, we can get together. Okay. Sure. All right. Because all right. Or we're gonna we're gonna create one of those the fighting in the in the in the cartoons. With the smoke and there's limbs that coming out of it everywhere. And oh like yeah, that. no, absolutely. We'll be, we'll be uh, like a moving ball of <laughs> of dust and limbs, and we're gonna like fly off a cliff and not realize that we've fought each other off of a cliff for like four or five seconds, and then fall to our deaths. So if you want to see two idiots kill each other over draft <laughs> takes, make sure you get your media passes for the Senior Bowl next year, and you and you come and join us. But Arif, first off. Tell the uh, tell the gentle listeners uh, who you are, wh- who you write for, wh- what you do, and whatnot. Let it, let them know. Yeah, I'm I'm just some idiot who hates Julian Edelman. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I mean I, I cover the Vikings for uh, the Athletic. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Arifasan NFL. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean I, I read about the draft uh, from a from like an NFL level, not just a Vikings level. Uh, every year so uh, you know put together the consensus big board I put together a bunch of data regarding like workouts and stuff like that uh, and uh, when I'm not you know putting out everyone else's bad draft I don't have to put out my own draft takes <laughs> thankfully but when when I when I steal everyone else's draft takes when I'm not doing that uh, I cover the Vikings it's such a grift and I and I, it's I think it's genius yeah, yeah you're, you're number one you're aggregating content in a, in a unique way when, when we talk about this this uh, consensus big board. Basically, what Arif is doing is asking all of his his friends in the in the media industry and and people out there. Hey, send me your big board so I can kill you for it three to four years down the line. People willingly do this, by <laughs> oh, yeah. the way, and subject themselves to this as some sort of like pride thing. So Arif takes all of these and he creates this consensus big board, and that's kind of what I want to talk to you about today. And we're we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about some possible steals outside of the top 100 based on the workouts. You just published that piece uh, for The Athletic. Also, we'll get into some Viking stuff. I, I want your your takes on um, what they could possibly do in the NFL draft. But going back to your uh, your grift of a big board big board project here, uh, essentially break down maybe at, at, a, at a more granular level than I, I did, and maybe some takeaways that you had from it last year that can kind of set up to, to what we're going to talk about this year. Uh, I take a, it's usually about 60 or so boards from uh, around the media landscape that goes all the way up to like, you know, ESPN, Todd McShay, Mel Kuyper, uh, down to a bunch of like enthusiast blogs about the draft, you know, people that uh, you know, when it when it's not draft season, might get like five or six uh, visits to to the draft page. You know, a month. 
uh try to get so everybody. like me four years ago something yeah, like right, that exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> um i mean you now honestly but uh <laughs> sure but, keep going yeah <laughs> I, I you know got about uh 60 big boards i combine them to create a 300 player big board and uh it's not just that um i get all of this like nice data about kind of what the consensus is right about like you know, who ranks fifth by consensus or whatever. I can also figure out kind of which players are the most volatile uh, in a draft. I think that that's like really interesting, like which players are the most polarizing. Um, I found that there's like two categories of big boards. There's people who, um, you know, put together their big boards and they all seem to kind of follow a very similar pattern. And that's because they've got sources within the NFL and the NFL is thinking, you know, uh, in a particular direction about a player. They've got access to medicals or they know a lot more about the off-field. And so uh, those big boards will look pretty similar. And then you've got people who really their only access is, uh, you know, evaluating based off of film and then listening to media reports. And that um, gets you what I call like an evaluator board, people that are really just, you know, trying to figure out who ranks what based just on on-field play, film statistics, etc. Um, and the differences between the two of those, you know, I talk about that too. Um, I try and find out kind of which uh, which positions have the most de- most depth in a draft, which positions mm. you know generate the most value. There's a lot of data that you can generate from having um, an aggregation of like 60 different um, big boards. And right now, um, you know, I haven't published it yet, um, but for 2021, I've got I think I can check right now. I think I've got about 40 boards. Um, yeah, I've got I've got 39 boards. Uh, put into into the database right now and you'll never take mine alive as much as you try to uh beg for my draft board oh well, i'm not doing one this year but i can send you a fake <laughs> one everybody oh be a be a tendency breaker right in the at least that's what they call it look at looking at like last year i i just to kind of set up what we talk about this year with last year like where was the nfl like really different from where the this big board consensus kind of landed who was taken like Maybe way earlier or, or, or way later. Yeah, uh, I think a really good example that got a little bit of publicity among draft enthusiasts last year was Tyler Johnson. Oh, yeah. The blogger boys had him like 98th overall, just inside the top 100. Um, but the uh, the people that do the, the forecasters that I mentioned, the people that have access to sources within the NFL, they ranked him 148th. Or 142nd, sorry. Mm. And uh, and he went 146th, uh, or not 140, he went actually later. Uh, he went 161st uh, overall. So they got really close to nailing him. Uh, and even then, they turned out were higher on him than the rest of the NFL. We'll kind of see, obviously, he was behind, you know, some fairly elite receivers. So we don't know kind of who ends up kind of right on that equation. But mm. you talk to people covering the Bucks, and it sounds like Tyler Johnson is, is a fairly good player and was actually – out snapping uh, Scotty Miller early in camp. So, what that, I mean, that one's kind of curious. Uh, the NFL was lower on Christian Fulton than um, than the yeah. big board was. Uh, and uh, and that one is kind of interesting. I think that one's pretty easy to explain. He did a bunch of things all right. He didn't do anything, like, particularly elite. And uh, sometimes the NFL just wants you to do one thing really well. Um, but, yeah, I mean, th- this happens kind of across the board. Uh, one thing that I think the evaluators got super right um, is uh, Willie Gay. Um, they had him way higher than um, than the than the forecasters did. So the evaluators had him 90th. The forecasters had him 137th. And it turns out the NFL had him even higher. The Kansas City Chiefs took him 63rd overall, and he was kind of low key one of the best line. He was better than Patrick Queen. You know, he was one of the one of the better yeah. linebackers uh, from the rookie class. So um, a, a lot of players here where uh, the NFL was kind of lower or higher on 
Um, and you know, some, some of the bears that typically I find out when, um, the NFL is, is substantially different than the consensus on a player. The consensus is kind of right. Half the time, the NFL is right half the time. Mm. Um, so there's, there's something to be said about kind of the wisdom of the crowds and, and not just that, um, the NFL has access to all of this like unique data and that they're always right about these things. It's interesting that two of the three examples that you gave, uh, we'll, we'll take Christian Fulton out of it, but but Willie Gay, Tyler Johnson, there was a lot of uh, documented and undocumented uh, character concern, right. smoke yeah. around those players. So I, I can imagine that that's really where like you, you could see the difference between how the NFL is viewing it and how the, 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 the people uh, prognosticating on the other side of it are seeing it. When you when you look at it this year, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you an example, and I really wonder how they how they differ on this. Mac Jones, quarterback Alabama, how is the I, we'll call them big draft? Are, are are they so much different from each other from from the other evaluators when it comes to him? I feel like I feel like including buddies of mine are gonna have like a second or third round grade on him when maybe some more people in the know would be quicker to put him in the first. Is my instinct right on that? Yeah. So by consensus, he's a he's the twentieth overall player. Okay. Uh, it it'll, it won't shock you that he's I think maybe the most polarizing player in the top forty. Yeah, that's uh, why I bring him up. Mm. Yeah, uh, and then the other ones are are super easy to understand. Like Landon Dickerson, I think is the second most polarizing player, and it's like, yeah, I mean, he got hurt right before. Like that's just an injury concern, and we have no idea. We don't have access to his medicals, and so people kind of put him all over the board, and you don't know if he can play guard. But Mac Jones, you know, there's no injury concerns. It's just a question of uh, the kind of football that you think might matter in the modern NFL and whether or not his supporting cast matters and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. There are some people that that have him, you know, kind of completely out of the first two, even three rounds. We've sure. got a board here that has him 80th. There's another board that has him 64th. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have a board that has him first overall above Trevor Lawrence, right? <laughs> uh it's it's kind of wild. Um, the 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 average, you know, the that twentieth overall, um, that c- kind of almost no one has him there, right? Like, there's a bunch of people that have him like eleventh and ninth, and a bunch of yeah. people that are like, you know, screw this guy, he's fortieth, <laughs> right? So, um, let's see the the fine folks of the Draft Network, their uh, their group board has him sixty sixth, um, and then one of their guys, Kyle Krabs, has him eightieth. Uh, in his most recent board, like that's that's a yeah. pretty substantial difference. And then if you want to take a look at kind of the the difference between some media boards and uh, and how the the bigger media or like the forecasters have them from uh, the evaluators, that's actually a smaller difference than I thought. The forecasters oh. have them nineteenth, but uh, some evaluators have them twenty first. Like some of these guys, like I said, um, have them really high. They like really like. Uh, you know, the fact that, that he makes decisions quickly and that he's relatively pretty accurate. There's another board here that has no media connections at all that has him eighth and another one has him ninth. So yeah, I, I, that one is a, a fascinating one. When we look at like the top of the draft and like maybe like the top 50-ish or, or whatever you mentioned, you know, this can kind of suss out what people think are the has the most depth where maybe it's weaker. How, how does that kind of shake out? Where is a lot of the value in this draft uh, according to these boards? Yeah, uh, I won't shock you that receiver is an area where there's a ton of depth uh, this year, and that's been true for the past four years. In fact, I'm thinking I'm going to write a piece on that just because 
the amount of receivers we have ranked between 50 and 75th, which I think is a, a decent kind of gauge for, for how much depth you have. Mm. Um, the past three years, there was a ton of them. And then if you take a look at, at the boards from before uh, 20. Uh, what year is it? 2021? Uh, before 2016. <laughs> um, there, there just aren't as many receivers, it, it, aside from 2014. There just aren't many receivers between 50 and 75. So that's not shocking that you'll find um, a bunch of receivers in, in that area where you can find, you know, second and third round guys. What I was kind of surprised by, I was always under the impression that this was a fairly top-heavy edge group, and I'm still kind of convinced it is. Um, but there are a ton of edge players that are just kind of outside um, the top 32. So it seems like the second round, you can find a couple more edge defenders than, than I originally thought kind of heading into the project. But, you know, mm. people are really high on Joe Tryon. Um, people are really high on Carlos Basham. People are pretty high on Peyton Turner. Um, and so it turns out those guys can kind of round out that group where if you don't find somebody in the first round, um, if you've got a reasonably good second round pick, which you know the Vikings don't have. Yeah. Um, you can uh, you can find an edge defender. And then cornerback is a group that um, I think has has a fair amount of depth based off of this work as well. So yeah, I, if you want to tackle, probably get that guy early in the top forty. But you know, cornerback, wide receiver, and even edge defender, um, you might be able to find second, possibly even the third round. With edge defender, though, is is there really anybody in the top ten? Like, is, is there somebody that everyone thinks is like a, a, a not everyone? Absolutely but that, not. No one yeah. agrees on who the top edge defender is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there, uh, I mean, there are some people. I've got uh, like Aziz Ojolari is edge one for a couple of people, and I mean he's That's a real he's a real football guy. It's kind of kind of edge defender where it's like yeah he reads the play the right way he sets the run um but if you if you love crunching numbers if you're a big old nerd you don't like this dude right because he weighed in pretty small he didn't have uh, a phenomenal pro day his production is kind of whatever um it's not bad but it's not like great it's not you know 15 and a half sacks or whatever so um you know he he reads plays really well and he plays really tough and so some people have him pretty high um i've got you know one person has him inside their top 10 i've got a couple of people that have him inside the top 15 like a 12 mm-hmm. um and then uh you know there's a lot of quitty pay obviously i think the the legend of the 637 second three cone has swayed a lot of people me included <laughs> uh, um jalen phillips is a lot of people's edge one that one's probably the most interesting case because we just kind of have no idea you know, with his medicals, kind of what the issue is there, whether or not, you know, he truly loves the game. Right. Uh, you know, that <laughs> sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, people have kind of moved on from Gregory Rousseau. You know, that was that was yeah. kind of popular for a while. But it's it's typically between those three. I think I saw one where, where Jason Owo was edge two or something. But there's no agreement over who the top edge is. When you look at like what positions are weak, like who are you just slap out of luck with if you need a certain position this year, at least from the looks of it, uh, of it in like day one, day two, who uh, is a tight end? Well, outside of Kyle Pitts, obviously. Right. Yeah. yeah. But like, uh, what is it? Yeah. If you're not if you're not drafting in like the top seven and you need a tight end, um, that's that's going to be tough for sure. Uh, tight end is, is difficult. Um, the kind of the. The middle tier of tight end is a little bit more populous than I thought. You know, there's like um, people are kind of split on like Pat Fryermuth, but he's largely, you know, tight end too. But after that, there's a, a fair amount of disagreement like Brevin Jordan or Tommy Tremble, which is just like an elite name. Um, Hunter Long, 
Um, there's a, there's a couple of tight ends in this group where where no one is really consistently ranked tight end three, four, or five, and so like in in the nineties or so, you know, you you probably can find some some decent tight end stuff. But yeah, I think for the most part, that's not a super strong position. Um, and then the one I think everybody knows and talks about is defensive tackle, where right uh, there's just there's it's virtually nothing. Like Christian Barmore, who started out the draft season as potentially you know you could pick him at. 13 or 14 or something like that now we don't even know if he's going to break the first round right now he's 25th on the big board as i add more boards i expect that to actually rise just a little bit but you know late 20s and then after that it's kind of pick your flavor like it do you feel so strongly about carlos basham you can kick him inside that's really kind of one of the only ways you can get you know more depth in this defensive tackle group otherwise it's the washington guy levi and wuzurike um maybe milton williams who's a you know a small school kid with just nuts numbers davion nixon if um if i think he's kind of an acquired taste you kind of have to like his play style um, but, you know, he lines up at, at three technique, plays like a really phenomenal nose tackle. Um, you kind of have to decide what you want to do with him. So some people have him kind of high. A couple of people have him defensive tackle one. Um, some people have him kind of low. But it, this is not a particularly great um, defensive tackle group, at least by the consensus board. You mentioned Christian Barmore, though, uh, the defensive tackle out of Alabama. And I'm and I'm looking at I'm here on Vikings.com and they've got this mock roundup, which, by the way, you're on there. And we're going to talk about your selection for the Vikings a little bit later. And not to get that whole topic away, but uh, our friend Sam Monson, Pro Football Focus, April 12th, selected uh, Christian Barmore uh, at 14 to the Vikings. And I've seen other people say that like he's rising again. So it's kind of been like a roller coaster for him. Do you expect that to play out in the in the data over the next week? Do you think he's gaining steam or what is this? Uh, it, this that's it's weird. Um, <laughs> so when um, when when. The initial kind of media reports on what the NFL thinks about, you know, players came out like so when Bob McGinn published his, which which is just really excellent stuff. You can find that at The Athletic. But when Bob McGinn published his like what I'm hearing from scouts on the top 30 offensive players and defensive players, they were pretty down on Christian Barmore. And for the next month, you saw Barmore, you know, slide from a top 15 pick to to potentially even leeching out of the, the first round entirely, but kind of being a uh 25th overall type guy um and then the last couple of days we've seen hey man i don't know why the media is so down on christian barmore the <laughs> nfl is is huge on this guy they love this guy they love him way more than media does right and it's like okay i track this for a living you got to stop doing this so that the it's the fascinating case of of christian uh barmore we'll see what happens uh with that before we get over to to the Vikings, I kind of tease a little bit, but let, let's get outside of day one, day two. Let, let's get into some fringe guys maybe because as you look at Dane Brugler's uh, top 100 board, this is a piece you just put up on the uh, athletic as well. What you were kind of digging for were based on their athletic profile, their testing, uh, some potential steals outside of like that top 100 board of Danes. Who'd you find? Yeah, I uh, I love doing this every year. So I, I looked at kind of the historical data for like what workouts correlate to performance at the NFL level. And I found that if, if you select athletes uh, at positions where, where they did well in those workouts, um, you're, you're generally like you're three times as likely to find a pro bowler. You're generally a little bit more likely um, to, to find a guy who's going to work his way onto the roster as a starter. It seems like the NFL undervalues particular types of athletes. So um, I, I love doing this every year. 
Uh, at receiver, it was, was kind of hard to find. I know that the Vikings were probably going to want a mid-tier receiver, so I paid a little bit of attention to that. Um, but you, there's a there's a couple of jump ball guys in this class, like uh, Tariq Black and Brennan Eagles from Texas um, had really good workouts. Uh, Mike Strawn from uh, University of Charleston, I have no idea. He could be a guy that I could see going in the third round. I mean, his workouts were just insanely good. Mm-hmm. Um, or he could drop all the way to the sixth round. I don't know. But, you know, he's somebody to pay attention to. Uh, Seth Williams from Auburn. Who he I like him just because he uh, led Auburn in receiving despite the fact that they literally had an Olympic sprinter as as their other guy <laughs> uh, <laughs> like that that always kind of intrigues me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I at, I think um, the the Wisconsin Whitewater guy Quinn Miners uh, yeah. at at center um, super athlete. So he you don't get to qualify him as a guy outside because he was like fifty sixth on Brugler's board, but he's all yeah. over the place. But his workouts were just phenomenal. I mean, his workouts were good for tackles, right? <laughs> like he he was he was really good. Um, I think uh, other people kind of on the offensive line that are kind of interesting. Drew Dahlman from Stanford, uh, which the only person I've ever seen talk about him is Brandon Thorne, and Thorne loves this dude. Like he's kind of a zone only guy. Um, you, you don't really want him um, to be base blocking all that much uh, as a as a run blocker, but. Um, you know, he can move like he, he worked out well enough that I actually decided to leave a spreadsheet and watch some actual football. And I, that, <laughs> I, that guy is fun to watch, man. I like him. Um, Ben Cleveland is interesting cause he, he weighed 343 pounds at his pro day. Um, he's inside a lot of people's top 100. He's not inside Brugler's. Uh, and when you watch him play, he, he seems like he's better fit for teams that are going to run more inside zone than outside zone or, or gap runs. He doesn't look like he's a guy that you want running to the sideline. But he tested like a guy that could that could potentially fit within that scheme. Um, so that's somebody to kind of keep an eye on. Dan Moore Jr. from Texas A&M. Jalen Moore from uh, Western Michigan. Um, those are all guys to pay attention to. And then uh, the defensive guys, um, I, I, the linebackers I kind of like. Uh, Monty Rice from Georgia tested really well. He played mm-hmm. through a couple of injuries this year. Um, but I, I, I really liked what I saw. Uh, and then Betts gave him the, the stamp of approval. So, uh, I, now I have to like him. Yeah. Uh, and then, um, Illinois has a, has a super athlete at linebacker Milo Eifler that, that I kind of like too. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's like, there's like 40, 50 people named in this piece, but, uh, I, I think that there's a couple of interesting stories and names, even in international player Aaron Doncor, um, who played like four games for Arkansas State. He's originally from Germany. Tested through the roof, had like this nuts three cone time and like a 39 inch vertical or something like that, you know, which like for a guy that's like 250 pounds, it's always going to catch my attention. Yeah. Who's who's the guy I, I remember now, the, the German wide receiver that the Vikings drafted? What was Moritz his name? Moritz Beringer. Moritz Beringer. Yeah. Yeah. Good uh, times. <laughs> that was great. That was great. Uh, weaknesses. Uh, doesn't know anything about playbooks. So we'll have to translate it into another language. Strengths jumps real high. <laughs> I love it. So that is so that's covered. Uh, when we come back here on the SB Nation NFL show, we'll get into some uh, Vikings talk and what they could possibly do at pick 14. I'll see if I can pick a fight with a reef. That's coming up next right after this. And we are back here on the SB Nation NFL show. Michael Kist with Arif Hassan of The Athletic Minnesota. I promised Vikings fans that we would talk about some Vikings. That's what we are going to do. And like I, I mentioned before, Arif, I'm here on uh, on Vikings.com and I'm getting their 
their roundup, essentially. So they're going around saying what big media says. Uh, they're also, for some reason, throwing you on the site to see what you said. <laughs> what what did you have to – what did you pick for the Vikings? What was your reasoning behind it? What was the, the context behind it? Like what dominoes had to fall? Um, first, I just want to say that bribe did not cost that much to get in that roundup. <laughs> Yeah, um, I've I've done so many mock drafts in the past uh, couple of weeks. I actually don't know which one of mine ended up in that round. Let me let me tell you, it was Elijah Vera Tucker, the the guard slash tackle at uh, Southern California. Oh, so okay. Something had to happen there for that to be the pick, right? I mean, well, frankly, he's a good player. I yeah. mean, that helps. But yeah, I mean, that one was one where uh, part of it was motivated. Just I wanted to do something different, so it, it's not there was not a pure motivation to find the best possible player for the Vikings <laughs> in that mock. Uh, so that's you're just covering it. your bases like if they yeah. draft you're like yeah i'd mock them to him but you meanwhile you mock like 31 people there <laughs> yeah no exactly uh, well because like the the last piece i wrote was like hey what happens if you don't draft an offensive lineman for the vikings in the first round like can they <laughs> still come away with like a decent offensive line and that was my and i did like four mock drafts in a piece where i was like this is what it might look like and so i had just done four mock drafts without an offensive lineman so uh i go into this one thinking you know, I, that's probably I should I should think You're about obligated. it. Otherwise, yeah. it's like the same story again, right? I don't yeah. want to write the same thing again. Um, and uh, I decided the the whole point of this piece was to try and find um, players that fit the Vikings' kind of historical threshold. So um, I went through uh, the history of of the Vikings under Mike Zimmer and uh, and Rick Spielman, and I looked at you know, what are the workout thresholds? You know, what do they look for in players at each position? And I eliminated a bunch of players. I ended up with a big board about, um, of, of a hundred players throughout the draft. So I turned 300 players into 100 and I only, I only allowed myself to draft from that board, except once I, I needed to draft a corner and I just ran out. Mm. Um, so I, I got a guy who like missed the threshold by half an inch on the vertical. And I was like, you know what, if they're so desperate at corner now, it doesn't matter. I'll, I'll grab them. But um, this one, they, the guys that, that all fit for, for pick 14, um, they were all, I was using a simulator to, to, to do this and they were all picked. Mm. And I was like, I, I just did like eight mocks where I traded out of the pick. I'm just going to pick at 14 now. I don't care. <laughs> and the only guy within range was Elijah Vera Tucker. And he's, I mean, he's a great player, right? Like the, yeah. he wouldn't end up at 14 as a guard prospect if he wasn't fun to watch and if he wasn't a good player. Um, but yeah, I, I have to confess, I had a bunch of ulterior motives picking this guy. <laughs> and that happens so much with mock drafts because I've done them before, right? And you you, you you get to the point where you've done 40, 50 of the freaking things plus whatever you put on Twitter because you're playing around with you right. know, the TDN simulator, the PFF simulator. Yeah, yeah I picked Trevor TV. Lawrence and I was like, well, I can't I can't write a piece <laughs> around that, so I'll just tweet that out. Yeah. <laughs> Who are, so so who who are the 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 guys? Let's 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 dial it on that. Who are the guys when you look at the offensive linemen that that fit the Vikings mold and, and draft history? Um, and 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 guys that could potentially uh, uh be there that fit that mold. Yeah, they they love movers, which makes sense, kind of given their scheme. You know, the Kubiak style running scheme that they have. Um, they love these athletic guys, and that creates kind of a problem because it is a fairly deep draft for offensive linemen but when you look like if if the vikings trade into the second round there's not a ton of guys that fit that mold so people 
that historically have done fairly well in the 20-yard split, so the first 20 yards of the 40-yard dash, that have got a broad jump of like at least 100 inches that seems to be kind of the cutoff that they use. There's a bunch of guys like that in the draft, but they're all like in the first round or the third round. And so if you kind of move around and you try to play the board a little bit, you're kind of left with like you have to pick between like a Jalen Mayfield or somebody who didn't work out, like Wyatt Davis or whatever. Um, and And it becomes kind of tough, so you kind of have to maneuver to try and see like, well, maybe Brady Christensen will go in the second. He's another guy that, you know, based on the consensus big board, he's actually really polarizing. Some people have him um, kind of in the in the 50s, right? Mm-hmm. Some people have him like at like 100. They're like, you know, I, I'm sick and tired of 26-year-old offensive linemen. I saw Danny Watkins. I'm out, <laughs> right? I'd be like, out, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I mean it's, it's kind of interesting. But uh, Christensen had a really phenomenal workout, you know, just from a pure film perspective. He's great, so... You know, that's the kind of guy that, that sometimes they'll take a look at. And they've kind of indicated that when it comes to offensive linemen, they don't care that much about age. I mean, Garrett Bradbury was one of the oldest offensive line prospects mm-hmm. of last year's draft or two years ago, and, and they were perfectly fine selecting him. So, you know, it's there's a bunch of super athletes, I think, for the offensive line this year. Um, a lot of them are in, in the in the 30, 40 range. So Samuel Cosme, for example, um, Tested, you know, kind of out of this world. I think he's one of the best testers we've seen in the last couple of years. It's like Tristan Wirfs, Samuel Cosme, Mecky Becton, like mm. just nuts, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, Wirfs is like also just like a really good player. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a good difference between the two of them. But, um, yeah, I mean, th- those kinds of guys are the kinds of guys you'd expect. And if you take a look at their history of tackle, Brian O'Neill was was one of the top athletes at tackle in his yep. class. Ezra Cleveland was one of the top athletes at tackle um, in, in last year's class. And last year's class was also a, an insanely athletic class. Like these two classes of tackles are, you know, a wide zone offensive line coach's wet dream. These guys can friggin' move. Like a lot of these guys like could be tight ends, honestly, if they just dropped 20 pounds. Let's talk about something. Let's go chaos theory here because, you know, as as we cover teams and I covered the Eagles for a while and I experienced this and you've covered the Vikings for a while and I'm sure you have the same um, type of disassociation effect happening over over time where uh, you, you can look at it more um, objectively and, and you're rooting sometimes for different things. Maybe you're you're rooting for something that's going to just get a ton of clicks, right? So what's honestly, man? Yeah, yeah. You're looking for a story, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. this is this this is the job, guys. Like, we're, this isn't a state secret. We love stories, <laughs> right? So, it, like Carson Wentz got benched. I was like, yeah, finally, some freaking downloads again. So <laughs> let, let's talk about the Vikings and what? I have can, no comment on that. What can <laughs> what <laughs> can they do at fourteen that will get you? the most clicks within somewhat reason. And we'll just make that arbitrary boundary there. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Quarterback. I I think, I think a quarterback is, is in the cards. Um, There's like rumors that, you know, like these are like shadows. Like I haven't confirmed this. So these are not my sources, which I don't even have. Um, But like, you know, shadows of a rumor that the Vikings are willing to take a a quarterback if if they like him enough, which is, of course, always the qualifier. Um, But, you know, if they if they took like Trey Lance or whatever, that's instant subscriptions to the athletic for me like that. Absolutely. Papa's eating Uh, good that night. Right. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Yeah. That's that's my year right there. (laughs) Um so yeah, if they take a quarterback, I mean that's that's it, game over. I've 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 accomplished my goals 
by doing nothing at all. Right. Uh, it's, <laughs> so, it's 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 endless content. It's it's at least two to three years worth of content, right? Because he's not going to start yeah. right away. And then you get the boost when Cousins is benched. And then you get the right. boost the next year whenever he was like, you're going to take the next step and whatnot. And then you you later on down the line, you get the boost when like he's Carson Wentz and he's benched. And then he's traded. You get another <laughs> boost there. Like it's it's the right. quarter, yes. quarter, quarterbacks that you draft are like the, the gift that just keep on giving, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, especially if there's a guy in the roster that you thought might be able to start, right? Like right. if <laughs> – if there's a quarterback controversy at all, yeah. which is – it's dumb, right? When there's a first-round pick at quarterback, there's not really a controversy. That guy's going to take over unless it's a Hall of – unless it's Aaron Rodgers. That's the only time when it's like, yeah, we can wait on it on yeah. Jordan, Jordan Love. Love. And even then, Jordan Love got clicks, right? Yep. You can't deny that. So mm-hmm. – um, and the fact that he was the third quarterback on that depth chart, <laughs> delicious, honestly. <laughs> Like incredible, Tremendous. like who is it? Tim Boyle, like yeah, he was on like Britain's Got Talent, right? He was like singing opera. <laughs> they were like, you know, it's a playbook better, but brother, <laughs> if your plan as your backup is Tim Boyle, I think that I think it still says a lot about about Jordan Love's uh, development and what they think. It, of it was just for they were fixing his footwork. Come on, man. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, quor- uh, quarterback is gonna is gonna draw the most clicks, I think. Um, and and that one is gonna be like half the Vikings fans love it. They're sick of cousins they don't think he can win anything the other half of vikings fans are going to hate it they're like hey we're in a win now window and we're not like the packers we can't we can't just ignore the draft right. and start winning <laughs> we yeah, gotta, gotta like, we gotta get some players that can play right now this guy can't play right now yeah, you cousins is like guaranteed for two years so yeah i mean that one's going to draw a ton of conversation outside of quarterback um i think the funniest move would be to draft another corner in the first round <laughs> yeah like that's a different thing would, yeah, and it's totally possible now that, like, Jeff Gladney has, like, these allegations hanging over him. Super serious allegations could go to jail, right? Right. Um, it's, it's pretty, and, and it won't, it, it wouldn't, before that, it wouldn't have taken a ton for the Vikings to talk themselves into a corner. They've got three corners on the roster who are scheduled to be free agents next year. Um, and so, which is the whole reason they drafted Mike Hughes way back. They mm-hmm. had three cornerbacks set to be free agents the next year. And Vikings fans were like, hey, man, I know you love defense and corners, but you know you're out of offense. You run out. You don't have offensive linemen. There's <laughs> you don't have a, any of them. You have, you have a tight end, right? Um, and the Vikings were like, "I that's a, you can take care of that later." Yeah. And they were lucky enough to draft Brian O'Neill right in the in the second round. But you know they drafted a cornerback in the first round and it, and it got a bunch of people upset. And then he got like a pick six in the fourth game and, and Zimmer was like, ha, I was right. And then he and then he was bad for the next three years. Right. <laughs> um, it, the, I mean, the Vikings didn't pick up his fifth year option. So he's one of the three guys scheduled to hit free agency. So they could very much, uh, you know, I, you take a look at a guy like Patrick Sertain and he's a Zimmer guy. Right. I, right. I have to imagine Zimmer's like, I don't care who I have on the roster. That guy is amazing. I'll figure it out. I'll put him on the field. It doesn't matter. Um, so I could totally see a cornerback being drafted and Vikings fans just like, they don't even have a pick in the second round. What are they going to do? How are we going to find an offensive lineman? And the Vikings just be like, well, we've managed this long. We'll, we'll do it again. <laughs> it's a, yeah, resource allocation. We've 10 years without an offensive line. <laughs> right. I mean, I remember this, the same conversations going into the draft with, with Bradbury and, 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 and all of that. It just seems like a, a repeat, um, of that whole conversation and like resource allocation, in the draft and with the cap and free agency, it's a zero-sum game, right? If you don't draft that offensive lineman, chances are you're not getting one, and they're hard to find in the NFL. Yeah. They're not just going to trade for a backup and have them be good. Backups kind of stink in the NFL. That's the way it is. 
Arif, thank you so much for joining us here on the SB Nation NFL show. Uh, go ahead, man. Plug yourself. Plug your work. What you got coming out? What came out? Whatever you want to plug, man. Fire away. Yeah, if you want, if you want to get involved in a stupid Twitter fight, I'm super game. I get involved in <laughs> stupid is. Twitter fights all the time. So, um, you know, you can find me at Arifasan NFL A R I F H A S A N NFL. Um, that's on Twitter. I don't have really any other social media that I use, so that's that's how brain poisoned I am. <laughs> um, or you can like you read my good content, which is over at the Athletic. Um, and I get credit whenever you, uh, subscribe via one of my stories. So actually, instead of heading to theathletic.com, head to theathletic.com slash author slash Arif dash Hassan. Click on one of those stories and give me money. Um, <laughs> I'd love that. Um, but the consensus big board is coming up. Um, that I think is a really fun project to do every year, a bunch of data on, on who the top 300 players in the draft might be. Uh, and a bunch of conclusions to draw from that. And uh, like I said, I just published a piece on I, – I, I outlined like, I don't know, like 40 players that had really great pro days that are players that we're just not talking about because they're outside of the top 100. Um, so that one is is a super fun piece, so check that out. I hope they don't draft a quarterback. I hope it's a ramen noodle year for you, brother. No offense. <laughs> Thank you for joining me, man. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, I hope they draft eight quarterbacks for you, dude. <laughs> One for, for every round, and then one, one extra one, like a compensatory. And here comes the music to take us out. <laughs>